And I'm going to start by putting up a tweet that, um, that evangelist Jonathan put, and I thought that he um, summed it up really well. And so I'm going to read it out loud for, for the sake of my podcast. How to have terrible doctrine for beginners. <laughs> if there's something in scripture you don't like that Jesus didn't teach, you say, Jesus didn't teach it. If there's something in scripture you don't like that Jesus did teach, you say, Jesus hadn't died yet, so technically it's old covenant. And I thought that he summed it up very, very well because he basically kind of took both arguments because, and I've heard both of those things. Well, you know, uh, it's pre-resurrection, so, you know, we don't necessarily have to like follow it or, you know, well, Jesus didn't mention it and, and all that stuff. And well, Sheba, I'm going <laughs> to, I am absolutely going to get to that because that, that tends to be the main, the main thing that is left up for debate. I'm, I'm going to tell you this, you know, Jesus didn't address uh, incest and he didn't address uh, bestiality, but we never would, would think that either of those things um, should be okay. Uh, I'm going to put it to you this way. You know, let's just say, so I, I drive, um, I drive a gas powered car. I will always drive a gas powered car. They're going to have to pry it from my hands if they want to take my gas powered car from me. Um, but let's just say, uh, somebody gifted me, um, with an electric car. Now I don't know any, uh, specifically a Tesla. Let's say a Tesla. My neighbor has, actually he has two. Um, and they're, I'm going to tell you something. They're different. They, they have a lot of different features that I don't know anything about. Uh, the doors even open differently, which is, yeah. So I, I don't know anything about these cars. So let's just say somebody gave me electric car. That would be the only way I drive it. And probably even then I wouldn't drive it. I would sell it. But let's say somebody gave it to me and, 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 and I sat down in the driver's seat and I have a lot of questions. I would have a lot of questions about what I need to do here. And I'm going to tell you one thing though, when I sit down, I am not going to ask the person, do I still need to put my seatbelt on? I'm not going to, I don't need to ask that question because I already know what the law is. I already understand what the law is. So even though this car is different, it's electric. So I, I don't really, you know, I guess you don't put gas in it. You, you plug it in. So it's very different. The doors open different. Uh, there's a lot of different features that I know nothing about. Um, but there's one thing that I do know. I'm aware of what the law is. And the law hasn't changed just because I'm in a different car. The law has not changed because this is a new car or something that replaces my old car. It, the law is still the law. So when I sit down in that car, I put my seatbelt on because I'm aware of what the law is. Okay. And you have to understand who Jesus was speaking to in his ministry. <laughs> hey, Joe, good to see you. That's a great, you're right. There is nothing better. Um, you have to understand who Jesus was speaking to in his ministry. He was speaking to Jewish people, Jewish people who were very, very well aware of the law. Very well aware. They knew the law. Now, they still, they still ask some questions. And mostly they ask questions because they were trying to trap him. Uh, they were trying to catch him in a contradiction. 
they were trying to uh, um, prove that he didn't know what he was talking about. Um, you know, and, and, and so I want to I wanna go specifically to one thing that they asked about. The Pharisees, uh, I mean. And this is in Mark chapter 10. They didn't, so there were certain things that they didn't need to ask about because they knew this was not in question. And you have to remember now, the Pharisees especially, they were very strong in keeping the law. They were very careful to make sure that they were always keeping the law and never, um, you know, never going outside of that. They were well aware of the things of the law. But they did have a question about, about divorce because there was, uh, you know, Moses talked about you can give a certificate of divorce for certain reasons. So they were asking about that because they needed some clarity. But really, um, you know, they were, they, were, they were trying to, they're always trying to, to trap Jesus or do something to, to, to throw him off. But like, <laughs> he, he knew what they were trying to do. Mark chapter 10 verse 2. Some Pharisees came and tested him, asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, <laughs> that's like hate speech now, by the way. I'm not even joking. I, I'm, I'm trying to like speak very carefully because I don't want this uh, broadcast to be removed because this is not my channel. So I'm speaking very carefully, but here I'm reading the word. At the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. So Jesus specifically answered a question. He there were certain things that he wasn't asked. So, I mean, <laughs> well, Sheba, you'd be surprised. He was asked about divorce and marriage. He answered the question. Um, and by the way, um, you know, if you continue on in Mark 10, because we're talking about things that Jesus was asked about, the rich young ruler came and asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. Um, and that's when Jesus goes on to quote the Ten Commandments. So very important to know, okay, well, do we still need, what about the commandments? Well, Jesus quoted them, so yes. But now I want to talk about, because this is where um, you have to make, make sure that it's clear in understanding, okay, so Jesus came to fulfill the law, so do we still keep the law? Or what does that all mean? So let's talk about that. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth. 
until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, nor the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what happened? Jesus fulfilled the prophecies concerning himself. And in his sacrificial death, he fulfilled the ceremonial laws because there were certain laws that were, were in place so that you would be made clean. But we're now made clean by the blood of Christ. So his blood washed us clean. So now we no longer need to partake in all, because I'm telling you, <laughs> if you read the book of Leviticus, for example, there's a lot of stuff. It, I, I mean, how many chapters is it? it it's a lot of chapters. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that you need to go through and all these different things. And, and so what Jesus did was he came and through his sacrifice and his sacrificial death, now um, you no longer need to, to make constant sacrifices. Uh, the priests no, long, no longer need to go into the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people because Christ came. I mean, think of what happened when he died. What happened at that moment? The veil in the temple was torn in two. So now there is no longer a separation between us and between the presence of God. Now, through the, the death and resurrection of Christ, we are ushered in to the presence of God. And so we no longer require all of these different uh, cleansing rituals and, and sacrifices. He, he fulfilled those requirements. In his fulfillment of the law and the prophets, Jesus obtained our eternal salvation um in those days they were very prevalent incest in particular because you have to realize this i actually had this someone asked me this question just last week you know technically um incest happened because you know adam and eve had kids and they they had to obviously <laughs> we understand um that they needed to reproduce and so who did they marry and who did they have kids with but you have to realize because we're thinking now as people who live in 2022 at the time that adam and eve were there incest there was no law or 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 or, or uh or anything about incest it didn't exist it wasn't a thing it became that eventually but at that time it wasn't there um so, so you have to, you, you, we can't, we have to be very careful when we're reading the word to remember this was not written uh, in 2022. <laughs> this was written a long time ago. And we weren't, we didn't understand what was happening at the time uh, that those scriptures were written. So all you need to know now is that those laws are in place, right? Um, turn to Colossians chapter two, because we're going to... There's a lot of scripture tonight, but it's important because we need to understand these things because it's very confusing. Correct, Lisa, we do not need to populate the earth. How did, I mean, I find it funny because people, but it's like, how did you think it was going to happen? I mean, but anyways, and plus the, the bloodlines were very pure, obviously. 
Um, so that was that was a factor as well. Colossians chapter two. Um, yeah, John, obviously, yeah, the book. And by the way, can I just say something about the book of Leviticus? Do you know that the book of Leviticus was addressed to the Levites and the priests? These were commands that were given to the to the leaders. You know, there was a video um, that I saw. I think a lot of us must have seen it. It, it was in a church and there was um, a drag queen in the church and she was talking to children and, and the priest or the minister um, was there uh, saying a bunch of stuff, using scripture very strongly out of context. And we see that and we're outraged. I want to tell you something about that. That, that... I want to say that lady, that man, that person, you know, they, they need Jesus very clearly. I, do you know whose fault it is? It's the minister for allowing that to happen in his church. Our anger is often directed in the wrong way. There, there's a soul underneath that fake, <laughs> fake hair and makeup and, and shiny clothes, there's a soul who, who's clearly very lost and confused and needs Jesus. The problem is the minister. The minister who is saying, oh, this is a good thing. There's children here. Oh, I like your makeup. Oh, how nice. <laughs> and they laugh. The book of Leviticus was there to let the priests and the leaders know this is what you are to do. Instruct the people. It's your responsibility. It's the responsibility of the pastors and the ministers of what happens in the church. Right? Because, yeah, exactly, Sheba. The, 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 the fact that it was allowed to take place in that church that's the problem. And our anger is often directed towards souls who need Jesus. Towards souls who don't know the word. And it's like I said earlier when I started the broadcast. You know, the Bible is available for us. The, the responsibility is we need to teach it. If people don't want to accept it, that's their choice. Jesus even said that some of the seed that you throw, some will, will, will take root, but others will not. Some will be swept away. Others won't accept it. That's just, I know, I, I know, I wish that everybody would believe the word. I wish that everybody would hear the word and accept it. But we know that's not the case. But it's our responsibility to make sure that we're teaching the full counsel of God's word. As, as Jesus said himself, every jot and every tittle of this word will not pass away until everything has been accomplished. And that will happen uh, uh, when Christ comes back in his second coming, not the rapture, in the second coming. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. <laughs> so, so what happened was, 
you know, and, and he mentioned that the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. If you take my, my class at GNU, it's funny because the subject of, of circumcision comes up all the time because it was seen as necessary for salvation. But you know what Paul was, was reminding us here is that we were, it, it, it's like a spiritual circumcision that needs to happen, not a physical one, because the physical one doesn't really do, ultimately doesn't do anything. But when Christ died, he now made us worthy that it's not required for, for, for people, well, for men, obviously, to be circumcised, um, because the Gentiles were not. And so a lot of false teachers would come in and try to tell them, well, if you want to be saved, you need to be circumcised. And that's just simply not true. So Paul was, was, was making an example here that your sinful nature needed to be resolved. And that was resolved not by something physically that you could do, because <laughs> you couldn't do it in your own strength, but it's what Christ did on the cross that he now nailed that to the cross, disarming all the powers and authorities of our sinful nature. Turn to Romans 10. Romans 10. Verse 4. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, who will descend into the deep. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That though is the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, but it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The Lord, the same Lord, is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why does he say that? Because there were Jewish people who were circumcised and thought that they were the only ones that were going to be able to obtain righteousness. But when Christ came and he, <laughs> he changed all that, you no longer are now bound to that. You're, not, you're no longer bound to do those things in order to be saved. And so basically, and essentially what, what Paul is saying, that righteousness comes through faith in Christ. That in order to be saved, in order to accept, um, in order to accept uh, that, that gift of salvation, all it requires is confessing with your mouth that Jesus is, is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That, that is a great truth. But the interesting thing is, is that it, it confuses people because then they think, well, once I'm saved, I don't need to do anything else because I'm saved. I'm good to go. But the Bible, especially the New Testament is full, full <laughs> of instruction of how we're supposed to live. Paul himself in that same book of Romans. What do you find in all the other uh, the other uh, uh, um, 
the other chapters that we're dead to sin, that we're no longer bound to sin, that we don't sin anymore. We're not slaves to sin, we're slaves to righteousness. We live through the Spirit. You know, um, let's keep, well, let's keep reading because I got a, there's a lot of scripture here. Galatians chapter 2, Galatians 2, verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop there for a second. You know Job, everybody's favorite Bible character. <laughs> they, they, they like to identify with Job for some reason. But do you know Job was justified by his works? He, he, he was justified by what he did by observing the law. And what happened to him? Well, the devil had entrance into Job's life because he was not justified by faith. He didn't have the power of the spirit. He wasn't washed by the blood of Christ. He didn't have the name of Jesus to call on. He was justified by his works. But Paul is, is letting you know we're not justified by observing the law because the Pharisees were the best at doing that. They observed everything in the law. They always got mad at Jesus for, for things that he did because they were so strict in observing the law. But what, what was the problem with them? They're whitewashed tombs. They're, 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 all they are are an outward uh, um, um, observing of these, these laws and the written code. But on the inside, there's nothing. There's no faith there. They did not believe in Christ. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. They didn't accept him. They rejected him. And so they, it doesn't matter if they follow um, every single um, um, little thing in the law. It didn't matter whether they observed it every day of their life. If they were not justified through faith, then they were not saved. Let me continue reading. Um, know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If, we, if while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? This is, listen to me, if, if you missed anything tonight, Listen carefully to this. Does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I'm a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. This, you need to understand this. Christ coming does not mean that we now could sin. And that's probably, um, I would say... The thing that, that the liberties that a lot of people will take. Well, Christ came and fulfilled all that. So we don't need to, to, you know, we don't need to do anything. No, Paul makes it clear. Paul makes it clear. Turn to 1 Timothy. 
because now we're, we're going to get into some things. And the reason why, again, the reason why I'm talking about this, and, and I wanted to make something clear, like I did, and I spoke about it briefly. People need Christ. We're not here to get mad. We, Christians, we get mad at everything. We get mad at a lot of things. We don't like this. We don't like that. How dare they? This is outrageous. People need Christ. We need to do everything that we can to let people know the gospel, the good news of Christ. That's what's going to solve the problems. Us getting mad isn't going to do it. You, 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 you could just be mad and accomplish nothing in that anger, right? Um, how dare they do this? How dare they do that? How dare they pass this law? The people aren't saved. They need to be saved because you can have all the laws in place in the world, but people will still go to hell. You have to understand what, what, what we're doing here. People, there are souls that need to be saved. So yeah, a lot of times people are not nice. We're not nice to, 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 to sinners. We were like, oh my goodness, how dare they do that? They don't know Jesus. They're lost in their sin. They need to be saved. You shouldn't be surprised if they're, if they're living in sin. They're sinners. They don't know. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Sorry, chapter 1, verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines anymore, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We know that the law is not made for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their mothers or fathers, for murderers, for adulterers and perverts, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. Paul, again, let's break this down. Jesus was speaking to Jewish people who were very well aware of the law. They were great at keeping the law. So were there things that Jesus didn't address? Yeah, because he didn't have to. They already knew. It was not a point of confusion. What Jesus did emphasize when he talked about loving your neighbors, because there was no love um, with a lot of the, 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 the Pharisees. They, they were very much self-serving. Uh, they didn't have, um, you know, they didn't have a lot of compassion. Turn, turn to this scripture in Matthew 9. Listen to this. Because I hear this a lot too. Well, you know, Jesus, you know, we're, we're so judgmental all the time. Um, you know, uh, Jesus sat with the, with the marginalized. You, you read that all the time. Yeah, Jesus did sit with the marginalized. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. It, it says exactly what he did. Matthew 9, verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. 
When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I find it funny. <laughs> this is funny to me. Oh, Jesus sat with the marginalized. Yeah, and he called them sinners. For you to have the, the this, this belief that Jesus just accepted everybody. And he was, you know, a God, Jesus loved everybody and he was not judgmental and he didn't condemn anybody. And so we have to be like that and we have to sit with the marginalized. He called them sinners. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. You already know what to do. I came for sinners. I came to bring mercy to sinners who need help. He didn't, he did not uh, um, um, affirm them in their sin. He said, yeah, I'm going to sit with them. We, we should be reaching out to them. We should be sitting with them. But he, he didn't come to condone what they were doing. He said, yeah, they're sinners. Yeah, I am eating with them, but, but they're sinners. He didn't partake in what they were doing. He, he didn't, you know, when I was, I remember when I was a kid, I was like an early teenager. We were in Sunday school and, and someone from the Sunday school said, you know, um, in order to, to reach people, you know, we have to go into the clubs and, um, and, and reach the people because that's where they are, you know, because Jesus sat with the sinners. It's just, people, people will find anything to justify the stuff they want to do. Just say you want to go clubbing. Just admit it. It'll make it a lot easier for the rest of us who have to sit and listen to you. Just tell us that you want to go clubbing. Is that the only place that people go? Do you not, can you not see them? Can you not go out for coffee with them? Do you not see them at the, uh, the break room at, at, at work? Do you not see them in the school cafeteria? No, you have to go to the club when the music's too loud to hear anybody, when everybody's drunk anyways, <laughs> that's when you're going to go witness. Well, we have to reach out to them. Do you see how <laughs> my dad brought up a good verse, the, the woman caught in adultery. Jesus wasn't condemning her, but he said to her, go and sin no more. He gave her the opportunity. No, I'm not going to condemn you like these guys are, but you can't sin anymore. You're, you're going to be, I'm, I'm saving you. I'm rescuing you, but you can't sin anymore. You have to leave your life of sin. You know, in, in, in that list of sins that I read in first Timothy, let me read some of them again rebels, ungodly, sinful, unholy, irreligious, for those who kill their fathers and mothers for murderers, adulterers, perverts, slave traders, liars, and perjurers. Oh, the Bible condones slavery. No, it doesn't. It was considered sinful to be a slave trader, just by the way. And so when you read that scripture, you hear a lot of, well, we misunderstood the original language. We didn't understand what it meant. You know, it actually meant, um, you know, uh, abusers of mankind. It meant violence. Um, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, they were actually, their sin was violence and they were inhospitable. Do you want to know what their sin was? Turn to Jude 7. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah 
and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Yeah, they were inhospitable, yeah. But if, in, if inhospitality was the worst thing, uh, then Bethlehem would have been destroyed because there was no room for Mary and Joseph. Mary had to give birth in a manger. No one was, was letting her in. So I guess they weren't being very... The woman was, was about to give birth. You'd think they'd be a little bit more hospitable. So, so Bethlehem really should be burned to the ground. You know, they did, a, they did a lot of things wrong. But the Greek words are clear. Sexual perversions living contrary to nature. Turn, turn to uh, um, 1 Corinthians. Because the same word that was in 1 Timothy is used in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed when you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. It's the same Greek word, the word for pervert that was found in First Timothy. One guilty of unnatural offenses, sodomy, sexual perversion. No, people don't like that. They don't like it. They hate that kind of stuff. Oh, you can't talk about that. You know, I, I just this week, you know, there's this Christian singer. Um, that's right, Sheba. So I'm, and this is 1 Corinthians. This is Paul speaking. He, why did he have to address this stuff to, to the Corinthians? Because they were Gentiles. So all of these things were considered normal for them. So yes, he had to address it. Jesus did it because the Jewish people were very aware of the law. The Gentiles were not. They didn't understand that, that these things were considered sinful in the eyes of God. You know, there's a well-known Christian singer. She said just last week, yeah, I'm not going to say who it is. I think she's Christian. I, I don't know. And she said, you know, Jesus loves everybody and, you know, we need to be known uh, for our love. And she said, it doesn't matter how we behave. We're all loved. It doesn't matter how we behave. You know, that's interesting because what I just read you in 1 Corinthians indicates that it very much matters how we behave and we have we have found ourselves in a place in in, in the body of christ in a lot of uh, uh, um christianity in which behavior doesn't matter anymore but i'm going to tell you this behavior modification that that's not what jesus came to do you have to realize um what jesus came to do he came to, to wipe away the sins of the world. To say that now you don't have to do all, check all these boxes off. Okay, and now you can be saved. All you have to do is have faith in me. And then what happens? 
we become a new creation that were washed clean in the blood of Christ, that now the old life is dead, the sinful life is dead, and now we have we partake in our new nature. And now we don't want to do the things that we did before because we understand that they grieve the heart of God. And all you have to do is read the writings of Paul and you'll see what those things are. It's not up for debate. Don't tell me we got the Greek word wrong. I just read you what the Greek word is. It's clear. That's right, Sheba. Love doesn't equal approval. You know, in, I believe it's 1 John. I, I might be saying the wrong one, but, but he talks about truth in love. You have to. And that's, what, that's the difference between Jesus and, and the Pharisees. What did the Pharisees want to do to the woman caught in adultery? They wanted to stone her to death because that's what would have happened in the Old Testament. But Jesus was like, no, 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 no. Put down those stones. He who has, is without sin cast the first stone. And not one of them could, could throw a stone because they were all guilty of sin. And what did he say to her? Go and sin no more. It's very simple. We're not bound now. To, to all of those things of the law in order to be justified. But Jesus didn't come to say that now we could just go on and freely sin and it doesn't matter how you behave. Oh, it matters how you behave. Because, and, and I spoke about this uh, uh, last month or I don't remember when it was, it is possible for someone who is saved to leave the faith and end up in hell. And the surefire way to do that, all of these false teachers, that you see in the New Testament. They were always looking for a way to condone sin. They were always looking for a way to, to get away with sin because our sinful nature, our sinful nature is strong. It's very strong. I mean, man, there's, there's so much scripture to talk about what, how to, how to slay our flesh and our sinful nature. Die daily to self. Because ourself, you know, a lot of times we blame the devil, but really it's us. That we're, we're slaves to that sinful nature. But once you come into right relationship with Christ, you're no longer bound to that sinful nature. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins... A man commits or outside his body, but he who sins against his he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You know, in the past. Um, you know, th there would be sacrifices of goats or bulls or lambs, uh, these different things, and they would shed their blood um, as a way to, to be made righteous. Christ took on his body the sins of humanity. You were bought at a price. You know, there's an old hymn called Bought with a Price. I, I, and that's a great old hymn. Bought with a price, not of silver or of gold. There, you cannot put a, a monetary value on the sacrifice that Jesus uh, um, did on that cross. 
You cannot put uh, any kind of, of, of any value that we can understand of the high price that was paid. Therefore, honor God with your body. Flee from sin. Flee from, from evil. Flee. Flee. You know, it, it's, 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 it's not easy to talk about these kind of subjects because there's real people who are dealing with these things. And there are real people who, who don't understand and who think that you are, um, or somebody like me is coming against them as a person, but, but not at all because, because people are, are made in the image of God and they're not living right because they don't understand. And so we need to make sure that we're people who realize that when you're dealing with people who are unbelievers, Jesus, you know, Jesus was very kind to sinners and he was very harsh with religious people because religious people should have known better. They should have known what they're supposed to do, but they were stubborn and they were hypocritical. Jesus was very kind to sinners, but he never condoned their sin. And he never, um, uh, uh, he never uh, affirmed their sin. So you have people like that Christian artist that I'm talking about. Again, if she's even Christian. Um, and, you know, saying, well, it doesn't matter. It matters. That's a surefire way to go to hell. That is an example of false teaching. Everybody thinks that, that you talk about money, you're a false teacher. That's a false teaching. If you tell people that it doesn't matter how you live and it doesn't matter how you behave you know god loves you as long as as long as we love you don't even what what is love love is letting people know that there is a heaven and there is a hell and at the end of your life you will end up in one of those two places and so just like god said i have set before you life and death oh that you would choose life you have a choice to make Am I going to come into covenant with God or am I not? Sheba says it's hard because the world calls it normal and everyday life. Why suppress and die to this behavior when you could indulge and exploit it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the job of the church to clearly teach what the word of God says. But instead we cower and we're afraid because what if somebody gets upset at us? Well, <laughs> Okay, then you're not going to be very effective. Then you're, you're loving people straight to hell. If they don't want to receive it, that's their choice. But you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to let people know what the word says. If they don't want to believe it, that's up to them. But the worst thing that you could do for people is to say, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. You are so loved. You are so loved. Yes, you are loved. You're loved so much that Christ paid a very high price so that you could be saved. And, you know, I'm telling you, and I'm someone that knows from experience, it is possible to change. It is possible to be changed from the inside out. But if you don't think it's a problem, then why would you try to change? If you don't think there's anything wrong, why would you, why would you do anything different? Well, God loves me just as I am, 
This is how, this is how we were made. This is how we were created. You know, God just loves me just, just as who I am. It's important that we be who we are. You know who I am? I'm a new creation. You know who I am? Let, let. I have a list. Look at this list of all the things that we are. I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm saved by grace. I'm justified. I'm sanctified. I'm a new creature. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm delivered from the powers of darkness. I'm led by the spirit of God. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. I'm an heir to the blessings of Abraham. I am blessed in my coming in and blessed in my going out. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. I'm healed by his stripes. I have authority over the enemy. I'm above and not beneath. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. I walk by faith and not by sight. I am being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I reign in life through Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God. I am an imitator of Jesus. I am blessing the Lord at all times. All scripture next to each one. In case you think that I'm just saying stuff. There's a scripture with each of That's who I am. That's who my identity is. My identity is not in, in, in who I'm married to or who I'm in a relationship with or who I'm attracted to. That's my identity. I'm a new creature. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I am made in his image. That's who I am. And that's who you are. And so don't fall for any of these false doctrines that tell people it doesn't matter how you behave. Well, let me tell you something. I don't want you to go to hell. You might hate me for it, but someday you're going to thank me. And someday you're going to realize I should have listened. Don't be like that. The Don't be like, um, I forget if it's Lazarus or, or who was it? The guy in hell who said, send me some, some relief from this anguish that I'm in. <laughs> There's not going to be any relief from the anguish of hell. And I know that you don't like that list of sins that I read, but they are sins and they will keep you from the kingdom. Well, you know, there's other stuff too. There is, I read it all. I didn't focus in on one thing. I didn't focus in on the one thing that everybody talks about. I focused on all of it. I, didn't, I, I read it. I'm not trying to target just one group of people. All have fallen short. Listen to me. All have fallen short. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. I did. You did. If you're watching me right now or listening later, I'm going to give you an opportunity tonight. Make things right with God. It doesn't matter what you did in the past. It's The past is done. The past doesn't matter anymore. When you come to Christ, you're a new creature. The, the, the things of the past are no longer relevant. I, I did this. I'm not worthy. No, we weren't worthy. We were lost and dead in sin. But we were made righteous through faith in Christ. 
That's the whole point of what I'm talking about tonight. People try to be made righteous by keeping the law. It didn't work because they kept falling short and they weren't worthy and they weren't deserving. But Christ paid a high price so that you could be saved. Pray this prayer out loud like I read earlier that you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Pray this out loud. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is my Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Now I confess of all my sin and wrongdoing. I pray that you forgive me of all my trespasses. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Lord, that I am now saved. In the name of Jesus, amen.